0: You're listening to Cloudies with a Chance of Scripture. Genesis seven thirteen. On the same day, Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them, entered the ark. So you've only got a handful of people who survived the flood. Uh, Noah and his wife and then his three sons, And their wives. We don't have stories of grandkids and things like that. These are the only people who were spared as human beings in the flood because of Noah's righteousness, right? Now, remember, they came out of a very evil world. Uh, It was so messed up at the time that God, you know, like is as though he had waited as long as he could. And that's almost what we see in Revelation too. N.T. Wright, uh, a very great theologian today talks about in Revelation, like it's as though God is waiting for the totality of evil and darkness to overcome the world before he steps in with his judgment. Why? Well, Second Peter tells us that God wants everybody to be saved and he hasn't come back yet because he's waiting for more people to be saved. Uh, and that was written around the the time when people were wondering, when is God going to come back? And Peter's like, you know, people are asking you that question. Just know God wants more to be saved. So he's waiting. Anyways, in Revelation, it's as though you still see that hope hanging out. Look, the world's bad. Yeah. But until evil is like completely taken over, there's still a glimpse of hope. Sodom and Gomorrah, same story. There's, uh, If I can find five righteous people there, Abraham, then there's still a glimpse of hope. I won't wipe it out. Um, but with Abraham, this is the one righteous guy he's pulled out with his family, but his family grew up in a very evil world. The world that they're used to was full of all kinds of stuff. Uh, And we, we talked about, you know, the Bible itself doesn't give us a lot of examples as to what the sin looked like, though if you were to consider some of the stuff written in Enoch as just like a glimpse of what Uh, the later Jews thought might have been going on in regards to evil during that time, uh, you'd be able to go kind of like a step deeper in just like Jewish thought of how bad it was. But the Bible still tells us that there's corruption. There's corruption on the earth. There's corruption even in the spiritual world. And there's corruption between the spiritual world and the physical world blending together when the sons of God, that is spiritual entities, um, start having sex with the daughters of men and creating an off-breed between the two called the Nephilim. That is in the Bible. We're not going to dive deep into that again because we've already gone there. But I say all this to say Noah was blameless for his time. And that was just a comment on Noah. His family is spared. They're not necessarily called blameless for their time or righteous. And we're starting to see as the flood ends that probably the habits of the old world that they grew up in are carrying over into the new world. The things that they've known of life, it's as though they're still living in that place. And we're going to see that in today's story in a way that a lot of people don't recognize uh, because we just read this straight and we don't look for like deeper meaning behind it. So there's a lot of uh, proposals as to how we could read this story out there. Today, I'm going to borrow from Michael Heiser. And I don't know if he borrows it from somewhere else, but I'm going to give, uh, an idea that he put forth that really deals with all the data of this story in the best way that I can think. Like it covers all the details and, uh, it makes a lot of sense. So that's the one that I'm going to put forth today. But before we do that, let's just read. So the rainbow has been put up and now we're getting back, uh, we're getting the new Eden started. But we're starting to see Noah's family and even Noah himself um, finding themselves living out perhaps some of the the sinful ways that they were living before. So here's what we get in Genesis nine eighteen: the sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then in parentheses, Ham was the father of Canaan. Why would it say that? Well. Because it's starting to tell us the story of Canaan, I would propose. Uh, kind of like his origin story, perhaps. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. So right there, one, one of the first stories we get of Noah now in this new Eden, this new life, now that the world's been um, wiped out by a flood, one of the first glimpses we get of him is him just getting wasted, plastered, and passed out in his tent, right? And we might be able to read into that some other things like just depression or, you know, anger or something like that. But either way, one of the first things he does is plant stuff to make wine. And when it's ripe enough, he makes the wine and he abuses it. So Noah was righteous, but also blameless for the time that he lived in. So perhaps this is just a glimpse as to, um, you know, uh, his, his, maybe it's just a glimpse at just how righteous he was, given how bad the time was. Okay. So it goes on. Uh, he's right. He's drunk and he lay uncovered in his tent and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, curse be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. All right, let's pause. This is weird. Okay. Like even today, I don't want it to sound crazy here, but if you saw your own father naked, at least if you're a guy, like that's not the weirdest thing that could ever happen. I don't even know that you would call that sinful, right? Let's say you're in a locker room and you're getting changed because you're at the gym and you're with your dad and you see him naked. Is that really like suddenly a curse is going to be upon your family? And you have to understand, like curses are not just like, ah, you know, saying bad words, angry at his his children. No, uh, ancient people knew that curses carried actual weight, Spiritual words that caused physical realities. Uh, so you don't just like curse someone willy nilly or treat it like a huh, just said a bad word or I just said words that don't matter. No, a curse and a blessing were very powerful spiritual declarations that they believed carried physical weight in their time. So Noah to curse his son for seeing his nakedness—that just sounds a little extreme, right? If I was changing in a locker room with my dad and I saw his nakedness and he cursed me for life, <laughs> that that would be odd. That would be strange, especially in ancient times where, uh, nakedness perhaps was not all that, uh, um, odd, you know, uh, at least like, sure there'd be, uh, nakedness and shame go together throughout the Bible, but seeing someone's nakedness, maybe could have been more common back then. You know, think of trying to find a place to clean yourself. You don't have a bathtub, stuff like that. You, you probably have to go find some places that are a bit more out in the open and things like that. So so to just have Noah freak out because his son saw him naked, that just seems odd. There's got to be more going on here. That's what I would suggest. Uh, and I, I never thought about it until... Uh, one of my professors in college pointed it out. He's like, well, okay, I did think it was weird and wondered if there was more going on, but I couldn't think of anything more. And my professor began to tell me, you know, um, most likely uh, his son, Ham, had gone in there and committed some kind of illicit sexual act upon his father while his father was uh, drunk and and naked, lying there, and I was like, "Okay, that uh, took a weird turn." I, I, I felt like there was something more going on here, but that was kind of an extreme that I wasn't expecting. Uh, but that made more sense to me, right? I mean, if this had happened, and Noah is still righteous, like, sure, his son has carried something evil over with him, but Noah would be like, "Whoa, this was an extreme sin. I, I, I cannot believe." That you just slept with your own father or performed some kind of sexual act on your own father. That that seems a little crazy. So that's what I started to hear. I'm like, okay, so that, that makes more sense. Surely that would uh, make sense of the curse. But we still have something strange going on here, right? Because Canaan is the one who gets cursed, not Ham. Who's Canaan? Well, Canaan is uh, Ham's son. Ham is the father of Canaan, as verse 18 said, and we'll see again as genealogies show up. And so we stop and we're like, wait a minute, why is Canaan getting cursed? Well, believe it or not, there is a Bible verse that could make sense of this, and this is a Bible verse that Michael Heiser pointed out that finally like, made my head explode a little bit here. So we need to fast forward into a boring verse from Leviticus uh, about uh, just kind of the laws, and when we do that, here's what we come across. Uh, when God is saying that you don't have sex within your families, here's the way it gets phrased, and I'm I'm reading from Leviticus 18, six through seven in this case. It keeps going on; you just see it continue all over and over again. Uh, but we're just going to read these two verses. None of you shall approach any one of his close relatives to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, which is the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. Okay, so I read into verse 8, actually. And it goes on talking about the nakedness of your sister, your brother, so on and so forth. But right here, you have, first off, it's a euphemism for sex, right? Sure, of course, you shouldn't uncover the nakedness of a relative, but there's a euphemism here too, right? Don't have sex with your parents, don't have sex with your sister, your brother, so on and so forth. But one of the things that's being communicated here in a uh, euphemistic way. It's saying like your mother's nakedness, your mother and your father are one. So when you look upon your mother's nakedness, you're looking upon your father's nakedness. All right. So now that we know that in ancient thinking, your father and your mother had the same nakedness because they belonged to one another. They were, you know, joined together. Uh, Let's now implement that idea into this passage, and what we're going to find is it makes more sense of all the data. So let's kind of reread it here. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. Again, it wants us to know that this has to do with Canaan. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these people of the whole earth were from these people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of soil and planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, that is the second time we're trying to point out Canaan as an important character here, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside, which makes you think like he's gloating as though he has done something here, right? Hey, I saw this. Uh, And it seems again like a euphemism. Not just he saw his father's nakedness, but perhaps as Leviticus is trying to relate it to us, don't uncover someone's nakedness. Don't have sex with a relative. But now we can think, since his father's nakedness is also his wife's nakedness, which is his mother's nakedness, we could think of this as his mother. So let's read it in that light. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his mother, perhaps, and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their, again, perhaps, mother. Now that already makes more sense, right? Here's here's uh, Noah's sons like trying not to see their mother naked. That just makes a whole lot more sense than them freaking about out about seeing their dad naked. Their faces were turned backwards. They did not see their, perhaps, mother's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brothers. Now, Canaan has entered the story in this passage. Ham was the father of Canaan, it's mentioned twice in this passage. What if this is alluding to the origin story of Canaan? I mean, think about it. If, if, if Ham had done something to his father, why would his father wake up and be like, I curse your son? I, think, I would think you would curse Ham, right? But instead, he curses Ham's son, Canaan, which would make sense if Ham had sex with his mother and then gave birth to Canaan through his mother, then by all means, it would make sense for Noah to be like, this son is, is uh, this this new son between Ham and my wife, he is cursed because of the great sin in which he was born out of. A servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. Now, I know that all sounds crazy, but that is the theory that I have heard that makes sense of all the data. Why is Canaan mentioned so much in this passage? Why is Canaan the one who gets cursed for something someone else did? Why is nakedness of your father such a big deal? Well, once we take the euphemism and once we take what another passage from Leviticus has already told us about our mother's nakedness and our father's nakedness being the same thing, we can start to connect the lines. We can start to bring the dots all together and make sense of all this strange passage right here. So that's more or less your podcast episode for today. I get it. It's weird. But if you simply come to the conclusion that all that's going on here is Canaan saw his dad naked, like that that doesn't really make sense of the rest of it. If you come to a conclusion that he did some kind of illicit act with his father, that makes a little more sense because it makes sense of why he would be so upset. But if you bring in his mother, well, that makes sense of all the data and it actually can be seen uh, as a possibility from the rest of the way the Bible writes. So with that being said, that is uh, your your theory of today. Uh, And I hope that uh, maybe it helps you think in a more cleared up way. It definitely shows you, again, the world that Ham would have come out of. It was an evil place, right? So much so that God had to wipe it out because Ham is still thinking like the world that he grew up in.